And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's going on, Eric? Well, that was an interesting series in New York. Four games in three days, man. You talk about a whirlwind. We flew in Monday morning and flew out Wednesday night. Four games, and and it was in town for about, uh, what, uh, 70 hours or less? So, But I think we saw the best and worst of the Braves, and I thought the really – it's crazy how one inning can really change the whole complexion of not just a series but the whole trip because the yeah. trip started out disappointing, obviously, with Texas. And then you get swept in the doubleheader, which they hung around in both those games. And, you know, you lose 5-4 after the three-run homer by Olsen in game two. Uh, Charlie pitches really poorly early on, then holds it together and gets through seven or whatever it was, five and a half, five and a third. I forgot what it was. I have to go look. Um, but I thought instead of getting losing a series, which they could have done if they if they would have dropped yesterday's game, I thought having their biggest inning of the year, a seven-run inning, which they did without a home run. Right. I thought that inning showed – I mean, because they just beat the hell out of the, the Mets in that inning up against out of Ottavino and out of uh, McGill, who had not lost a game all year and had pitched the five, first five innings of that no hitter. Um, and then out of Trevor Williams when he came in. So I just thought that inning really left them with a great feeling about the trip, about what was overall not a great trip, right. but it just changed everything. Three and four trip, but you split with the best, team with the best league, uh, best record in the National League. Yeah, and you know, it's if you lose three out of four to them, you you might start questioning things. But for me, even the games they lost, there were so many cheap hits and and good breaks that fell the Mets' way. Um, I didn't yeah. I didn't watch the series, even if they would have lost yesterday, and 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 gone one and three in the series. I didn't watch the series and think. You know, this is a better team than the Braves. I just felt like, you know, they were playing a little better, pitching a little better, and they caught, they caught the breaks they needed to that that made a difference in in the doubleheader. How many cheap hits? Yeah, if you look at it, the old. uh, I know a lot of people don't really put a lot of stock in the hard hit rates and soft contact, but they should because it's a good indication, kind of like Babbitt, uh, batting average on balls in play. If there's a big disparity between your actual Babbitt. And your real batting average, high or low, it's a good chance it's going to correct itself over the course of a season. Yeah, we've seen that almost every time. Well, it's the same way with hard hit rate and soft contact rate. If you got like one of the worst uh, hard hit rates in the league, which the Mets have had a lot of soft contact hits this year, like best in the league or close. Yeah, Braves have had the highest hard hit rate in the league. Yeah, but it's not translated to batting average. Well, you got to think over the course of a year, you keep hitting the ball harder than the other team. 
even with shifts, you're still going to get a lot of a lot more hits than you've been getting. Yeah. You want to hit the ball hard. That's the objective, right? So, uh, it's not just you know you're not just uh, looking through rose colored glasses if you say that the Braves uh, didn't get that the Mets got some breaks in those first three games. They did. The Braves also had a couple of really poorly pitched innings, but for the most part, I'm not, I'm with you. They were they were right there with them playing. Yeah. You know it's. It's the one thing that you can't get a cheap hit if you strike out, and that right. that's been that's been what's really hurting the team. And right, you know, I think it's a combination of that and those. For me, it's watching all the balls that are winding up at the warning track. Um, I think a lot of bo- those balls get out in the past, and that'll change your whole hard hit rate percentage and everything like that. So there there is some leveling out there, but you know, I do I give the Met, the Mets credit for just putting balls in play. You know, you can't get a cheap hit if you don't, and that's that's where they caught a lot of their breaks was just not striking out. But overall, yeah, I didn't watch the series and think this team's a problem. I know they're good, but so are the Braves. And the Braves are playing down right now, and the, the Mets are up. Acuna had that drive to center oh field my God. that is gone out at, at any time in the past. That's a home run. Um, the expected batting average on that thing was like 100. 970. Well, it was or, 100. Uh, was it 1,000? Yeah. Thousand, hundred percent, thousand. Yeah. I knew it was. I knew it was ridiculous, and it was caught right in front of the wall. I mean, and he hit the hell out of that ball. He crushed they had it. A few other, they had a few others the same way, and so did the Mets. The Mets had a few too. Yeah, they did. But the Braves had an inordinate number of balls hit hard, and that were caught just like uh, they have through much of the course of the season so far. And you got to think with either the balls are going to change a little bit, or the humidor after they keep them in there for a while, and the temperatures change. We'll see, but they're doing, they are hitting the ball hard, and that's the most important. If they were up there, because they're striking out too much, like you said, they're leading the majors in strikeouts. But if they were also hitting the ball soft and, and striking out, that'd be a real problem. But they're not yeah. doing that. And, you know, you get away with the strikeouts when those balls to the track are, are flying out, because it's a two run homer, a three run homer there. You, yeah. you wind up evening out and getting your runs. But if the ball's not going to fly, you know, I just, I can't see the league. I, I feel like they have to make a statement and make a change or say we're sticking with these balls. I don't know if it's the balls have changed at all. I think it's more the parks where the humidors are, aren't having the same effect in some places. Cause I think we're seeing some balls fly out in some games and not in others. Right. And it's really noticeable because it's usually for an entire series. It's not game to game, which would tell me they've given you a new batch of balls. If they, if it changed from game to game, but it's usually the ball is acting the same way for the course of a whole series in a whole. So your whole stop into a town. Yeah, and I can't imagine it's it's easy to just swap balls out like that. You know, I mean, right. you got to get them through the clubhouse. They have to be rubbed up by clubbies. The clubbies do that, you know, two, three days ahead of time. They're rubbing up balls constantly. So, um, yeah, I guess I would just think that if, if the ball keeps winding up at the track like this, that's not really the, the path MLB has been on. They want the home runs. They want action. Um they may make a change, but I would just think the best thing to do would be actually make a statement. You know, maybe we took it a little too far with this humidor raising the seams right. or whatever changed. And here's the new ball now and everybody can kind of plan accordingly. Or we're shutting down the humidors. We're going to see what happens the rest of the, yeah. to, from now until the all-star break. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's like the high powered offenses, like the Braves are the ones that are getting hurt the most for me because they're banking on that three run homer and it's getting caught at the track now. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that every infielder last year had thirty. Had yeah, had over twenty five, and everybody had over thirty except uh, what Dansby. Yeah, like twenty seven or something, but that, or twenty nine. Forget, 
But, yeah, they almost had made history there with four guys over 30, so four infielders. And that's not to mention Duvall, who had 30-some homers. Um, Acuna, obviously. Uh, Ozuna, he was back hitting for power, uh, although not lately. Uh, the one Olsen hit was scorched, man. That one he hit out to right center. That yeah. was a bomb. Three-run yeah. homer. That's the first three-run homer the Mets have given up all year, by the way. First. No grand slams and, and no uh, three-run homers before that one. The Mets are good, man. I didn't change my mind at all watching them. They, uh, even though the Braves split the series and, you know, got a couple of Braves, could have won the series. But the Mets are for real. And, again, we haven't even seen DeGrom pitch yet. And the Braves avoided Scherzer in the series. Yeah. So uh, the Mets are really good, and they're not going to collapse. I, I'm really convinced they're not going to collapse. So the Braves have got some some work to do. Well, they they, they got the leadership now, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. Buck, having guys like Scherzer on the team. Um, yeah. It's, it's a definitely a different feel playing them. The, the whole culture just feels different. Yeah. I mean, it really does. The way they carry themselves, there's no they're having fun out there. You know, they're serious. Uh, at the plate, they got a great approach. I, I just think that uh, this team is different than it's been in the past in a, in a lot of ways. And, and again, we didn't even see Scherzer. So, um, I, I I did think uh, I thought Buck made a real mistake yesterday, though. Ottavino had not pitched consecutive games. He had not even pitched uh, consecutive days all year, and he used him all three days in the yep. series. And he had been a guy that pitched really well this year so far, and he was not the same guy in that third day when they used him yesterday. He didn't get a guy out. He comes in with bases loaded. Terrible situation to bring him in after, you know, using him each of the previous two days. Brings him in, he walks, walks Darno, who had not walked all year. Right, right. First walk. And then he gives up, you know. I don't, I don't feel any sympathy for guys having to go three in a row. We did that all the time. Oh yeah, it's changed now though, yeah. and it's early. And they remember the spring they had. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, we're, we're still in the spring training stage, really, for for the pitchers or tail end of it. I just thought that was a that was a pretty that was a mistake that was easy to criticize. You know, that that was a risk bringing him in, and the Braves sure uh, made him pay for it. So um, they jumped on Alvarado. Continue what 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 had already been a huge inning. I mean, they got the three consecutive singles. Uh, against McGill, who had a one-hit shutout going until that sixth inning. I, you know, I also think with that move, one of the worst things about it is, you know, maybe you pitch three in a row, but it's at the tail end of a series and the start of the next one. But given the right. team three right. looks at you in a row is, you know, even if you are feeling good, I never liked that as a reliever, like yeah. facing the same couple guys three days in a row. You know, they yeah. just they have that look at you that, yeah, I, I, I can agree I, with that probably wasn't the best move. I was going to ask a couple guys that after the game, and then I thought, you know what? Even if they did feel that way, they're not going to say that because no. they're going to face this guy again this yeah. year, so I didn't even bother. <laughs> yeah. But I know that I know they felt a lot better facing him that third time. Yeah. He had dominated him the first. You know what he did the first two? Yeah. Faced six batters, struck out five. Yeah. <laughs> so he was a little different yesterday. Well, he's a – but he's one of those guys, too, that he's a really tough look. Like, did you see the slider he threw to Duvall that was yeah. almost in the other batter's box, and he chased it? Yeah, you know he's yeah. he's one of those yeah. guys that's not just relying on stuff, but he's like you know the funk and the, and the difference of it, like Ian Anderson, where the more guys get to see it and get comfortable with it, and they can talk to each yeah. other about it, the the better you're going to be against it. So, yeah, I agree that that probably wasn't the best uh, best play, and I'm I'm glad he did it though because. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Got the Braves a win. Charlie, I just wanted to make sure it was five and two-thirds. Six hits, five runs, four earned, three walks, three strikeouts, and a hit by pitch. Those first two innings were just, uh, they were not pretty. He settled in after that and... You know, got about a lot closer to the old Charlie, but the first he just he started out the first inning with the infield hit that hurt, and he gets a strikeout. Then he hits the third batter Lindor. Then he gives up an RBI single, another RBI single, gets a strikeout and fly out the end of the inning. Next inning comes back out, walks the leadoff guy. That's just not Charlie. Walks the leadoff guy. Then they got a little bunt pop up. Then he walks the third guy. Field his choice, four six. Uh, then he gives up the well, run scores on the field choice. Then he gives up an RBI single. Um, uh, just those first two killed him. Cause and like he said, he's so used to being efficient. He throws 30 some 34 pitches in the first inning. He threw for this, like maybe the third or fourth time this year, like 50 pitches through the first two innings. And when he does that, it just kills him because yeah. he can't, he, he, his thing is to be efficient and go seven innings, you know, and, and he's just not been himself at all. He's and he's searching, man. For, oh, he's for searching. What is wrong? Yeah. Yeah, I think you he know it's up. it's kind of like he's caught in a place where he has a plan that he wants to stick to, and he knows where he wants to be and how he wants to be throwing the ball and the pitches he wants to make. But then the game starts happening, and yeah. it's taken him a minute to adjust. I liked in the Mets game, he adjusted, just started spinning a ton of breaking balls, making him hit his mm-hmm. best pitch. But, you know, starters, they want to find that fastball and establish it and, and kind of that's part of being efficient. You know, it's hard to be efficient spinning a bunch of breaking balls because they're going to have a lot of swings and misses, throw stuff in the dirt, get deep in counts. You want to fire fastballs for strikes. But when they're hitting it or you're hitting people, you know, and it gets a little sloppy and, and out of control, mm-hmm. he's having to he's having to adjust on the fly each start. But, I mean, he kind of started like this last year and eventually found it. Yeah, it just wasn't as bad. And like he said, the difference in this year and last year, last year he was getting swings and misses. He was yeah. getting strikeouts even when the, even when the ERA was up over five. Yeah. And this year he's not getting them. Yeah. 
So, and that's that. I think that's what really kind of alarms him. Uh, he's one and three with a six eight five ERA. Um, it passed four starts because the first one was good. Remember? Yeah. Past four, he has allowed twenty five hits, sixteen earned runs, and only eighteen and a third innings. And here's the weird thing: he's got as many walks, thirteen, as strikeouts in that. And this is a guy who's a you know. 200 strikeout guy or close to it with not that many walks at all. He's 0-4 with a 7.85 ERA in those four starts. Yeah, um, I mean, just seeing him seeing him miss across the plate, you know, he's trying yeah. to go a fastball arm side and he almost hits a left-handed hitter, like jerking it, yeah. yanking it. it. Yeah. It's definitely, he's, he's searching for his mechanics too right now. And, you know, I mean, it's a hard enough game when you're not doing that. It's just, you know, this is what explains how tough baseball is, though. Charlie's been playing for however many years. Yeah. He's had he's, great seasons. You think he has it figured out. And in baseball, you're just always searching. And at any moment, you can just lose it and try to have to try to find that feel again. And he just doesn't have it right now. And this is a guy still throwing 94, 95 yep. and still spinning the ball better than like 99.9% of the league. He's yep. still, you look at his spin rates, he's still got like the top 30 spin rates in every game he pitches or 35. He's still spinning at 3,100 RPM, some breaking ball. Not quite as many, but still way over 3,000, most of his breaking balls. So that's the, the the difference in this game, man. You guys talk about it. That, that it's just a hair off, and you can be night and day. I, I always told people that. Now, I remember making, uh, I think it was Chip and, and Joe Simpson uh, on the plane one time, and they were just asking me how I was feeling and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? My whole career, I've either been a 7 ERA or a 2. So you're going to find yeah. out in about a month which guy I am this year. You know, and it's like you can just be – you can be off by just a hair whether you're flying open. And, and this is part of it too is like guys are hitting the ball and you're making the pitches. Yeah, You might be locating, but if you're flying open and showing the ball for an extra quarter of a second, that little tiny minute difference can, can be the difference between a barrel and mm-hmm. fouling it back to the backstop. And, you know, you see guys that – you, you'll watch some really good pitchers throw balls right down the middle and they get fouled off. Yeah. And then you'll have some reliever come in throwing 102, but because of the way he lines up, the way his mechanics are, if he's showing the ball, it just looks like a beach ball to hitters. And when he makes a mistake, it gets hit every single time. And that's yeah. that's kind of the, the puzzle you're trying to figure out every time you pitch is not necessarily – you know, what's, what's wrong with my stuff. Cause the stuff can all be there, but you have to figure out what's going on with your mechanics or if you're showing the ball, your direction, are you getting extension? And then you put it all together and all of a sudden you're throwing balls right down the middle and it's a foul ball. And everybody's asking you what you change. And it's like, no yeah. one's going to believe it. Like Kimbrell last year, I text Rossi and asked him what, what did Kimbrell change? And they said, he's just pausing at the top for a little longer. And he goes off with the Cubs. Yeah. And then he goes to Chicago and one little tiny thing changes and he's terrible there. Yeah, so Charlie might feel fine physically, and everybody thinks, "Oh, it's got to be the leg." It's not the leg. It's not. Yep. It's not. That's not what's bothering him. And then, like maybe maybe the hard hit rate's just a little higher than it was last year. And like you're talking about, he's showing the ball maybe, but maybe they're hitting it a foot to the left of where they did last year because he's not throwing quite as hard. And so he's giving up a lot of singles that are hard yeah. hit through the infield too. Yeah, and if maybe you're two hitters. If you get that ball to drop an extra centimeter, hide it a little bit longer, and the hitter's a little more off, it's a two-hopper to shortstop. Yeah. You know, that extra little bit of spin and velo, they get on it, it sneaks through the hole. And then, you know, things just kind of compound and pile on you. So, 
it's not a fun place to be searching like him right now. Yeah, he. Uh, I thought the huge tale, the the what said so much. Again, this is a big strikeout guy in recent yep. years. One of the better strikeout guys. He did not get a swing and miss in that game until the thirtieth pitch yep. of the first inning. He threw thirty-four. He didn't get a knock at a swing and miss until he struck out the second out of the inning. Thirtieth pitch, Charlie. It's insane. And then you know you throw, go ahead and throw tipping pitches into the mix. Yeah. You know, are you, t- you there's so many things that you have yeah. to consider when you're trying to figure out why you're throwing the ball like Charlie. And normally, like for me, if your stuff's there and all the metrics and, and shit's lining up, uh-huh. there's two things that are normally going on. It's either you're showing the ball, right? And, you, and you're, or you're not getting your extension or possibly tipping. And for Charlie not to get swing and misses is, yeah, with his, with the breaking ball he has. Yeah, the spin on it. I mean, it's it's a swing and miss pitch for him not to get any swing and misses is is pretty crazy. And this was the uh, game one of the doubleheader on Tuesday. He wanted Snit asked him, "Do you want to throw game one or two? Because Kyle Wright was throwing the other game, and and he said Snit said in a few years Kyle Wright will be asked that question. He'll get to decide. But you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he let Charlie decide. Charlie wanted to pitch the early one, so it wasn't early. It was three o'clock, you know. So, um, it, you could just tell from Charlie's quotes too, man. He said. He said, I think what's going on is they're not, they're just not chasing. Yeah. There's just no chase. It's above and below the zone. I don't know if that's a result of them being more selective and really selling out for my fastball curveball mix or what. I don't know why that is, but my chase is way down. Then you feel like you're kind of keyholed into the zone and that creates its own set of problems. Yeah. I mean, Talk about a guy that's been analytical and looking to try everything he can to get out of this. That's Charlie. I mean, he's leaving no stone unturned. It, it kills him. It, it's it's so frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I tell my buddies that all the time. I'm like, you know, I got to the point in my career, I'm hitting the same button. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm pushing yeah. fastball away and I'm hitting the glove. And all of a sudden it went from ground ball to shortstop every time. You're getting high fives in the dugout to I'm backing up home plate and they just hit another double. You know, yeah. and, and I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on what what really changed. And it's it's always something so small. That's why it's it's a draining game mentally. He uh he has uh for the year, eighteen strikeouts, fourteen walks, twenty-three it's got a two eighty-seven opponents average, one point seven three whip, which would be the last five years, this guy's never had a whip as high as one two oh. Which is except good. The, one two is not bad. <laughs> except for the shortened year, one three nine five was the only one he's been. That was only nine starts, and and by the time postseason rolled around, he was rocking again. So, yeah, I mean, it's usually really low, but uh, no pitcher before Tuesday, before the get before that game, had given up more soft contact hits below eighty miles an hour this year than Charlie. He'd given up eight, and he gave up three more that were below seventy five miles an hour in that game. 75 mile an hour hits. Yeah. <laughs> so he said, I felt like last year, if that happened, there were still signs that I could be a dominant pitcher because I could still get swings and misses. I would still strike guys out. And now it seems like more of those at bats have turned into long at bats that result in walks or hits. And my pitch counts are just driven up. That's what seems to be happening. No matter what happens results wise, I'm going to keep trying to do what I can to improve on my pitch. And I feel like most things that you can deal with, I have throughout his career. He's talking about that doesn't make it any more fun or enjoyable. It's really frustrating. Oh, it's the worst. I don't, I don't miss that. <laughs> I don't miss the failure of baseball one bit. Yeah. And he said at the end there, uh, this is where the point he is at right now. He said, 
it started to go a little better when I stopped trying to strike guys out and I just kind of mixed yeah. in that game the other day. He said, I threw a bunch of cutters today, more change-ups today. And maybe for the time being, I might have to balance my stuff out, my mix a little bit more to get guys off the curveball and the four-seamer. So he's ready to try to do that in the next start probably. Yeah, and it could have been, you know, could be some good scouting on the Mets part where, mm-hmm. you know, I remember when I was playing uh, for the A's, they had this thing in their clubhouse and they always did pretty good off Felix, but they had this thing in their clubhouse where they said, if you get to three, two, do not swing. Cause he was going to yeah. throw that split and it was going to look like a fastball yeah. right down the middle. And it was going to go in the dirt. And it was the times that they had success off him. The guys were able to not swing at that pitch. And then, you know, it's the cat and mouse Felix picks up on that and he throws a fastball right down the middle and you take it. But it, the Mets could have been watching his previous starts and said, you know, he's not yeah. throwing strikes right now. And, and be as patient as you right. can because right. Charlie's really, really good at with that breaking ball, starting it as a strike and just running it off the plate. Um, sometimes teams just have a really good approach with you, and that's another thing. You know, you start second-guessing yourself and changing stuff. Just... And, with a, and with a starter like that, especially a prominent starter like that, when a couple of teams have success against a guy, other yep. teams have the – they know exactly what those yep. teams were doing. It's yep. not like in the old days – where well, that might slip through the cracks for a while. Now everybody knows exactly what happened. Oh, there's so much video. Pitcher. Yeah, there's video of every pitch he threw the previous starts, all the starts they can they can dial up anything they want to see, look at the heat zones, everything. You know, it's all it's all calculated for you and dis, and disseminated by all the people, the analytics people in within a team. Yeah. So they don't miss anything now. You didn't used to have a team of analytics guys on a team. Well, and two hitting go, coaches that comb through everything. Yeah, you know, so you might be able to get away with some mistakes or some trends, some tendencies you're doing, but you can't get away with any bad tendencies now, man, or anything a team can exploit. Everybody's going to be able to do it. You can't get away with tipping, even if it's the slightest no. thing. Like that'll be around the league in a hurry. Everybody knows, you know. I mean, they have they have paperwork, all kinds of stuff posted in the dugout that this is the most likely pitch you're going to throw two two to a righty lefty. You know, everybody knows exactly what to look for. So. That's probably why he did better, even if the pitches aren't good, you know, change up cutter, even yeah. if they're not good pitches for him that right. day, just not sticking to his normal plan. Then he starts right. getting outs, you know? Yeah. Cause when he's throwing that curveball as much as he usually does, I mean, it's, it's almost, it's unhittable really. Yeah. He throws a good curveball and other teams, you know, and teams will probably realize that and say, he gets in his count. We're just not, don't swing it. Cause it's going to be a curveball. The good first, yeah. The first thing you have to eliminate tipping first when you're when guys are taking pitches they shouldn't, you know, you, like you have to eliminate that first, and then you have to go to. And it's so hard to see on video. I wish you know I wish teams had a video from behind home plate for for a pitcher to study and see when the ball's visible yeah. and things like that because hiding the ball is so important. But those are the yeah. first two things I would check if I'm him because I want to know why guys aren't swinging at that breaking ball and why they're not swinging and missing right. how how they're how they're able to to lay off these tough pitches that start right. as a strike and are in the zone for a while and then break out of it. You know, for Charlie, those are the questions I want answered first. Is he tipping that breaking ball? Well, and, and if you are, you know, I mean, it's it's a game changer. If yeah. if because if there if there's any doubt, the hitters can't do it, but if, if it's an obvious tip and they know for sure that breaking ball's coming, yeah. When it starts in the middle of the zone, just yeah. Let it drop. But when when they have to protect against a fastball and it starts in the yeah. middle of the zone, they just start swinging and, and get caught in between. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how this evolves. Yeah, 
I just have a feeling he's going to get on a roll. It might take another start or two, but he's going to figure something out. It's going to find something. But uh, the other extreme on the team, on the pitching staff, Kenley Jansen. Yeah, man, you know when he came out in that first start, that first appearance in the first weekend of the season, and gave up those little blue pits, and he got some boos. Not many, but you know it's Atlanta; they don't do that. But there were some boos because it was it was frustrating to watch. But there were three singles and three runs in the, in his debut April eighth. And I, I think only one of them was hit even semi-hard. The others were yeah. just nothing. Yeah. So people are going, oh, yeah, here's another time when the Braves signed a guy too late or whatever. Well, you see what this guy's done since then? I mean, utterly dominant. He has pitched – he has made uh, nine appearances since then, nine scoreless appearances, 12 strikeouts, one walk, and he had eight straight hitless appearances before giving up a single against the uh, Mets. Yeah, and Kenley's got, you know, he's got things that don't slump. His extension yeah. and his cutter, yeah, it's the combination of his high front side. He's a like yeah. hides the ball really well. Does gets, that weird twit? Yeah, he's right on top of the hitter. He gets I bet you I don't know the stats, but I bet you he's up there in the leaderboards and extension just watching him. Yeah. He's which like gives, six foot six. Yeah, he gets way out there and then he's throwing a cutter on top of it. And it's yeah. not like the hitters don't know what's coming. It's yeah. just you know, everybody talked about Mariano having that late cut on his ball. Yeah. Well, Kenley's throwing from almost a foot in front of Mariano, so his is definitely going to cut late too, right? I think, like, for him, he's just a perfect combination of a guy that isn't going to have to answer a lot of those questions I just brought up for Charlie. Because yeah. who cares if Kenley tips? You already know what's coming. Yeah. And, you know, he's – uh. He's kind of reinvented himself a little bit late in his career because people were finally hitting the cutter a little bit yeah. more, so he doesn't throw at every pitch like Mariano does, you know. Um, and it's got those plenty hard, too. Yeah. And like you said, he's got that extension. But uh, that whole funky thing he does, I don't know how he repeats that, but he's done it so many times now. When's the last time he didn't do that? When did he evolve into that? I don't that? know. I don't know, I don't know but... where you would pick up that motion, you know. Guys do some weird stuff that, that like Kimbrel's thing. <laughs> He's sticking with it. I mean, it, for me, I watch Kimbrel come set every time, and it yeah. just seems like a hassle to go through. <laughs> I know, I know. He does it. Still, he still does it. And I look at it and go, "You're still doing that?" But yeah, it's gonna change now, man. He had some reason for it that it helped him. Uh, trying to make sense out of some of the stuff he does is hard, but he had a reason for it why he did it, and it, it does something for him as far as comfort, and he stuck with it. But yeah. Whatever, you know, whatever Jansen's doing that makes him feel the way he's feeling, you know, you just got to stick with it. I'm just looking at his uh, – it's interesting when you get – when we get off the, off the air, go to Baseball Savant and look up his uh, his stats because they got a lot of stuff you're talking about. Kenley? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, he's throwing to sinker. He's, got, he's throwing to sinker 21% of the time and the slider 12% of the time. So the cutter's, what, 66 now which used to be much higher than that. Yeah. I'm looking at uh, the season by season. Um, well, so if, yeah, if, if, if you think about it, though, you know, it's hitters are just like that. They, they have to guess where the ball is going to be because it's moving late. Yeah. And when he mixes anything else in but that cutter yeah. that's already so hard to hit, you see the terrible yeah. swings. Mixing in a slower breaking ball, how awkward they are. He and that's the thing. He throws that breaking ball right down the middle sometimes, but their timing's so jacked up trying yeah. to cover that cutter. You just see this goofy swing and a pop up out of it. 
His peak break, his peak cutter percentage, 2012. You want to guess how many th- often he threw the cutter percentage? 93. 91.4%. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was as high as 85 in 2017. So that wasn't long ago at all, man. Dipped to the lowest he was, was uh, last year down to 58. So he's back at 66 this year. Through the slider more last year. Oh, the sinker, I'm sorry. And the slider, uh, 15 last year. So, he seems to have found a nice mix there uh, 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 in the middle. But, uh, yeah, he's not like Mariano rode that cutter all the way to the Hall of Fame. You know, nobody yeah. ever hit it. So, nope. till the end. But, seven of seven uh, save opportunities since then. You know, I know a lot when he got him. I was one of those, like, really, Kenley Jansen? You really need to do that? But you know what? Watching him and watching Will, and no offense to Will, because he got the job done when it mattered last year down the stretch. Yeah. But it's night and day. Yeah. Kenley doesn't put that first guy on, doesn't walk that guy, doesn't give up a bloop, doesn't give up, you know, you know, uh, uh, home runs, the home runs that, that made every game close, you know, it seemed like. He's just uh, – it's a he's – He's still a dominant closer, man. That was a good $16 million one-year investment, I think, especially after Luke got hurt. Yeah, and, you know, Will grinds his way through a save and does it with balls. Kenley's right. just dominating right now and, and overpowering guys, which is, you know, there's there's nothing like that confidence you get as a team of – and the and the other team, you know. Yeah. I remember talking to DeRosa when we had me, Craig, and, and, and Johnny doing really well, and he said, yeah, we're trying to score early because we know we got to deal with you guys, so – Having Kenley at the end of the game, the other team just has to look at it right now as an eight-inning game, which is really, you know, with all the other guys, Matzik, Will Smith, Minter throwing well. It's Dude, kind of how, a, about, how about McHugh? Yeah. I mean, he had that one bad outing a while back, and then he's pitched great since then. He had that he had the biggest out of that game when he came in and got the strikeout in the, in the first win. Bases loaded, comes in, bails out Matzik, big yeah. strikeout. Yeah. Q's impressive, man, because I, I, I told you, when you see that guy, you're like, this is a dominant reliever? Because, I mean, he looks like insurance salesman next door. Well, just you, a, yeah. just, He just can spin it, man. He can pitch. You can't teach spin. You know, yeah, I mean, can you pitch. can, but there's some guys that just have this gift and ability to manipulate the ball, and McHugh's one of them, where yeah. even though he's throwing 89, he can put so much spin on his off speed that he's just got a lot of weapons. I think, you know, having been a starter in the past is definitely helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, starters get to the point where they're pitching with the bases loaded and in these tough situations, just as much as relievers. Um, but he has three pitches he can go to that he can spin and move in different directions in those big pressure situations that, you know, it's, it's been fun to watch him. You're uh, physically, you're, dude, you're Roger Clemens compared to uh, McHugh. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's, a little, he's not a big dude. Uh, you should see me. I've gained like 40 pounds since I retired. <laughs> and, and a great guy, too, by the way. Yeah. I and think I did, just, I did his podcast a few years ago. It seemed really cool. What a normal guy. Just down to earth, grounded dude. We got to get him on the podcast for sure. Well, really he owes me one. He he's owes a really interesting guy. I'll tell him that. I'll tell him I'll do it with you, and I'm sure he'll do it. Tell him he owes me one. Maybe we'll get him on next week. I'd be interested to have him talk about the pen, talk about the team a little bit. He's really thoughtful. His responses are never cliches at all. Nothing that comes out of his mouth is a cliche. That's got to really be so nice as a reporter. <laughs> yes, he's really interesting. Um, I talked to before the game yesterday. Uh, it was a day. It was a uh, early game. So, but but the guys got there pretty early after getting in traffic in New York. You've been through that a few times. They were a little late getting there, but. 
had had a chance to talk to some guys before. Uh, and, you know, I know some, some fans are frustrated or are worried because this isn't the old Mets team. Well, you'll they'll be glad to know the Braves are not looking at this as, hey, we did this last year, we'll do it again. The Braves know this is a different situation yeah. than last year and that you can't just count on doing another comeback like you did last year. You know, they know that. They are fully aware of that. And they're not taking a laissez-faire, casual approach to this thing. They they know it's time to get – they need to start winning. Uh, A.J. put it real well. I talked to him before the – A.J. mentor before the game. And he said, uh, I guess I'm try, I'm just – I'm trying to just think back to last year. It's just kind of like we're not syncing up. When the pitching does bad, when the pitching does bad, the hitting does good. And when the batting, batting goes bad, the pitching does good. Remember last year, that was the same thing. They same were thing. Yeah. We're just not clicking. We'll figure it out. I know we keep saying that, but at the same time, we've got to get this thing going because we can't get too far behind. It's hard to catch up when a team like the Mets is hot. The Marlins are doing good. He said it's a tough division, so we can't get too far behind. Just got to keep chugging and keep plugging. Hopefully one of these days they'll botch, they'll, they'll uh, all get synced up and we'll get on a roll. And that's exactly what they did in that game a few hours later. Yeah. Yeah, you haven't seen those big, um, you know, those those big innings from the offense kind of covered up a lot of the pitching struggles, you know, Last at, at year, times. Yeah. yeah, and you haven't seen the, For the sure. I mean, just like the seven or eight spot in the second inning or the fourth inning that takes all the pressure off the staff, lets you rest some guys. Yeah. it's It's been definitely a grind for this team so far. He said, uh, you can't make, you can't bank on making a comeback like we did last year. We need to get things rolling here pretty soon. And I said, but I did, but is there a sense in the clubhouse that uh, everything everybody still feels good about your team, about your chances of doing that? He said, he said, yeah, I feel like we're in each ball game, and there's a turning point that that could have flipped either way. We're just a few hits away from winning each game, but at the same time, like I said, we have we have to dig down deep here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Seitzer, I stopped him, the hitting coach, and I, before I could even ask a question, he goes, "Are we having fun? <laughs> no, we're not." Before I'd even asked a question. But then he got talking about uh, – I asked him about, you know, the guys in the bottom of the order, all the strikeouts, and I said, Duvall, we're not seeing from him what we saw last year in particular. Is he doing anything differently? And he said – I know this was before the game yesterday, and Duvall ends up having a big hit um, by the two-run knock. But I, but Sykes said, no. I mean, everybody's trying really, really, really hard to get it going. And, I mean, when you press and when you fight and you grind and you don't get results and you try harder and harder and are working your butt off, he just kind of left that thought out there. He said it's when it's when uh, you come to a place where you go, screw it. I'm just going to go out and try to have a, put together a good at bat. Focus on, you know, hunting according to your plan. Have an approach and try not to do too much and just get base hits. We've been talking about it, but it's ongoing daily conversations. He said, when an offense struggles, it's like everyone tries harder yep. to contribute, to make something happen. And, I mean, we've gone through this lots of time in the past, and it's like magnified when everybody's scuffling. And then, you know, not winning ball games. on top of that, he said, when you get good pitching, we're not scoring enough runs for them. So everything's magnified right now. Momentum's um, so huge. Yeah. He's talking about that approach. Austin talks about that a lot, and that's what's really turned him around. He's the one guy that stayed consistent this year pretty much. He's raking again. Um, is he talks about hunting balls in a zone, hunting strikes, and he doesn't go out and doesn't expand his zone when he gets behind or he's he's, he's, he's uh, struggling or the team's down three. 
where in the past they'd get ahead of him in the count and he'd get you know get desperate and expand his zone and you know flail at those sliders off the plate. He's not doing that now. He's looking for a pitch in his zone. If he doesn't get it, he's not swinging. And he's drawing walks. He's been he's been good all year. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's really just an impressive you know mental case for the, watching him work through how the league's tried to approach him and how he's adjusted so fast and keeps doing it faster is cool to watch. Yeah, from from the middle of last April, he has not really had a long stretch at all where he's looked bad. I mean, he's just a different guy. And for him to pick up where he left off last year, I think anybody that thought, well, maybe last year was an outlier or maybe teams will get a book on him and figure some things out in the offseason on what he's doing. No, he's still raking at the same level. This is what he is. Yeah, you know what's awesome for him is he has so much power. Yeah. You can make the ball as dead as you want. If he gets it, it's getting out. So he doesn't have to try to swing hard or do too much right now. Yeah. And I said to Sites, I said, yeah, it's the same thing as early last year when you couldn't kind of get synced up when you weren't – if you hit one day, you didn't pitch. You know, if you scored seven runs, you got beat 9-7. Or if you pitched well, you scored two runs, you got beat 3-2. And he said, yeah, he goes, it's lasted too long. But the way the rest of the division's playing and the changes that have been made on the other teams, we don't have time to mess around. We've got to figure it out quick. Like I said, it's not from lack of effort lack of work everybody's working hard and working overtime to try to get this thing going and i said can they try too hard sometimes like that and he said yeah because it's more the effort level and i don't want to call it anxiety in the box but it's really not it's really wanting to then he left it at opening against it they're pressing to try to get results yeah pressure will do that to you and it you know it's like the more the longer it goes on the harder you press and i you know you feel like there's a lot of at bats where one guy is trying to yeah, to make that huge difference for the whole team instead of just taking his single and, and keeping the line moving. You yeah. see guys, when you see guys come up and have a terrible at bat with the bases loaded and one out or something where sack fly gets a run in and they punch out on four pitches, you know, it's, you can tell there's guys feeling that pressure and, and everybody wants to get the big hit and take the pressure off somebody else. But, you know, at some point somebody steps up and gets those big knocks yeah. and then you have that seven spot like you had yesterday. Yeah, and 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 I, I will say none of them are, are laying or resting on last year's laurels. They know. No. I, I said sites. I said, uh, I said you guys are the defending world champions. I mean, you're not surprising anybody this year. Everybody's aiming for you. And and, and I said and the Mets spent a lot of money and they're actually living up to expectations so far. And he said, yeah, last year is last year. This year we've just got to focus on taking care of business. That's what everybody's trying to do. So hopefully we'll get hot and get it going. Get some guys swinging it. So we'll see. Uh, and I asked him about Austin being the one guy's been steady he said yeah he's picked up right where he left off last year he said he's matured so much and come so far it's just really been awesome to see he said his plate discipline has been incredible timing's great approach is great he said we need to get some other boys rolling like that be nice to get ozuna rolling he's, he's really searching right now yeah he looked good the first week you know and then and spring training but not since then you know, he's. I was listening to the broadcast yesterday. He's trying to keep his front shoulder in more because he's been pulling off of balls. And yeah. you could see him actively trying to make the adjustment in the game because he got blown up inside, you know, multiple times in that series where they came in. And those are balls that when you're not trying to make an adjustment or worried about or flying opens okay. Um, but th he had a few fastballs in that he hit like, you know, probably 60 miles an hour off the bat and got out pretty easy. But having if he can find it and get his bat back, yeah, you know, in the four hole, five yeah, hole, he's big. He's important. It's a huge. He has to be hitting for for Austin to get anything. 
I'm I, I, he's one guy that I think the move from outfield to DH permanent full time will actually be beneficial because I don't think it can help him at all playing in the outfield because he's just not good out there and he's not going to make any plays out there that help him you know take some positivity to the plate if he can just sit in the in the in the, in the dugout focus on video whatever you need to do you know but to go go hit in the cage whatever he needs to do to get ready I think I can only help him once he's DH permanently. Yeah, some guys don't like it because you wind up you just kind of sitting around most of the game. It's hard to keep your body locked in. I'm sure it'll be an adjustment for him, but it's the, he's hit the way he's swinging right now. Any change is good. Yeah. So the Mets had won every one of their series before yesterday. They were like approaching franchise records. They they had do, done it, I think, 11 times one time in the past, but then two times, maybe eight. But they had won seven straight series before yesterday. So they were going for, you know, they had a lot riding on it. They they were they fully cognizant of of uh, the chance to do that. And the Braves do that was a convincing win that people were leaving after that, you know, midway through that that inning. You heard some boos, which you you will hear at City Field even when your team's got the best record in the National League. Well, that's that's what you want to get going though. You know, I mean, yeah. it's the best case scenario for the Mets is to start off hot and and have some padding and ha- have that yeah. just momentum and the crowd on their side and the crowd believing in them because. It's a really interesting place to play when that team's good. Yeah, that city jumps on their back and yeah. goes crazy. But it doesn't take much more than a rough weekend to start getting booed. You know, even as a player, you have you have two bad games in a row. You're probably getting booed walking off the field, and you know a lot of guys can't handle that. So I'd like to see how the team handles that rough that first really rough stretch they go to. You know, yeah. maybe a rough week. And the only thing that you know I've said before, but it scares me that Buck's managing them because I think he can kind of guide them yeah. through that better than a lot of managers. They're 18 and nine. You would know the Mets luck that they would, uh, this would come when the Yankees have the best record in the American yeah. league. <laughs> <laughs> and the Yankees, you know, you, when the Mets are 18 and nine, they would hope the Yankees would be having one of their disappointing years, you know, and people would be railing on the Yanks, but that ain't the case. That's a, that baseball city right now. Yeah. Sure. Ain't basketball city right now. After what the Nets did. Uh, Ian Anderson pitched, I thought, uh, you know, I still walking too many guys, but I thought he really battled again. Really, that was impressive to get. This guy had five hits, four walks in five and a third innings, but only gave up one run. That's, yeah. that's doing some pitching there, man. Against a team like that. He always battles. Yeah, he does. And he always has. He always has. Since he just got to the majors, he has. He said, uh, he said, we pitched the ball well. We broke out in the sixth inning, and our bullpen shut it down. He said, that's a good team win right there. As a team, we're looking for something to jumpstart us, and I think that could do it right there. Yeah, you're always looking. I thought the series last year that did it was a series in St. Louis, and obviously it happened way later in the season, but a couple big comeback wins. I, that's when, for me, when I see this team starting to make those comeback wins or, or win games late, yeah. that I, that's when I really think they start rolling. Duvall had been two for 20 in the first six games of this trip. He had a big day yesterday. had that big two-run knock. Um, They – oh, the big one. The big – the big uh, get the monkey off their back part of that inning was they had been one for 16 with runners in scoring position over a 23 in a stretch from the start of the doubleheader Tuesday through the five five – first five innings of the game Wednesday. One for 16, dude. They went four for six with the numbers in scoring position in that sixth inning. Yeah, it's another one of those things that's going to level out. Yeah, yeah. That's what, And that's what the, exactly what uh, Duvall said. 
He said, last year I started slow. I have a history of it in my career starting slow. And he goes, and that runners and scorers, he goes, that thing, that will even out. We're going to hit. We got good hitters we're going to hit in those situations. Because last year, remember, they were like, they had the highest OPS in the majors in those situations. And like yeah. third or second, third highest uh, OBP. So, and Freddie wasn't responsible for all of that. <laughs> you know, they had a lot of guys hitting well in those situations. I don't know. It's it's for me. It's always comforting when you feel like the team's not playing well and their record is is bad versus when they're just getting beat. You know, like if you rolled into right. New York and everybody hit and you felt like you pitched well and you just still weren't good enough to beat them. Yeah. You know that that's when it's scary. But when you roll in and you know you're you're kind of hobbling into that series, just nothing's bouncing your way, and the Mets got a ton of breaks with just so many cheap hits. I thought, um, and, and you still split. Yeah. Like that, that tells you they're, you're right there with them, even if they have a better record. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Guillermo Heredia said of that inning in that game, he said it gives us confidence. It lets us know that we can score seven or more runs in any inning. I think it was really important for us. Definitely very exciting. It just helps improve the morale, lift the spirits, pump up the energy. Obviously, we didn't get off to the kind of start we wanted to like last uh, that we would like this season, but innings like that definitely help. I was doing an interpreter, but... How about the game he had? Oh, that catch. Demerit came in and was sore slash tired from the day before. And to his credit, Demerit spent a lot of time in the minors, you know, the last few years. He played 18 innings in doubleheader yesterday in the outfield. So, but I tell you what, the team did him no favors by announcing that he was tired or fatigued from the day before. <laughs> Come up with some bum injury, you know, he's, he's got a sore wrist, a sore ankle, something, you know. I mean, I'm glad they were truthful. But I just know in the age of social media, that does not do a guy any, you know. Well, try walking around the clubhouse being the tired guy. Exactly. Just, God, just say, <laughs> I got a sore wrist. Then you got an off day Thursday. Friday, you're back in there. Nobody thinks anything of it, right? My hammy's a little tight. I don't yeah. want to tweak it. We're just being careful. But tired is one thing that yeah. is just, I can't I can't imagine, you know, the guys I played with, if, if a young guy came in too yeah. tired to play. Yeah the abuse he would take, you know, and it's not, it's not mean, but it's just, it's going to be a running joke for a while. In, in Freddie the, in would have said it to him too last year. Oh, it would have. Rossi, if you would have come in the clubhouse and been too tired to play around Rossi. I hope he can handle Hinsky? some ribbing. How about Hensky? <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope he can handle some, some jokes. Um, so anyway, so Guillermo Heredia is thrust into the lineup last, Demerit was scratched at the last minute. Heredia starts, makes a spectacular catch you're going to see for a long time. I don't think I've ever seen a guy do that, catch the ball with one hand, with his glove like right at the top of the right field wall, 
and hang on the wall with the other arm. And he said, didn't even think about it. He said, I've never done it before. It just happened the way, the way his body went. And he kind of hung there. And uh, Ian said, I don't think everybody in any place, hardly anybody realized he'd caught it. He goes, and I knew right away that he'd caught it. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of that uh, Gary Matthews catch in center yeah. field where he kind of was like twisted around and reaching. You know, it's kind of an awkward thing, but the athleticism just takes over. Yeah. And then uh, and McNeil, man, the look, when McNeil saw that he caught it, McNeil was like, Pow, like that. You know, <laughs> he yeah. couldn't believe it, man. So then he, uh, uh, and then Heredia has the walk in the big inning, and then he has the two-run knock at the end just to add, you know, after it's, you know, leave it, if there were any doubts. Let all the air out. Yeah, if the Mets thought there was any chance of any kind of comeback, he hits a two-run homer late. and uh, So it's quite a day for Heredia stepping in there. Yeah, I like uh, he's, that guy. he's been he, great he for some, the team. It, just huge, his energy, you know. It, he's one of those guys that, you're going to laugh and smile every time you walk by them in a hallway that are just great to have throughout a season. Uh, you could take the, you could take it any way you want, but we were asking Snit about Heredia afterwards. And uh, <laughs> I said, uh, let's see, Snit, you got to hear Snit's quotes. I said, what about the, what about he's the, not tired. Yeah. Yeah. What about the catch that already made? And he goes, unbelievable catch. We might be watching that for the rest of the year. It's awesome. And, uh, and, uh, and asked about demerit being scratched for fatigue. And Snit said, we just don't want to push anybody. I mean, and Heredia is like supercharged every day. I'd love to be in that body. I said, yeah, he's, he's never, he's not fatigued. And Snit goes, no, he's never fatigued. He's never tired. <laughs> yeah. Those are the jokes though that I'm saying are just gonna, yeah. you got to come up with something better. <laughs> Anything, man. Anything. Hangnails better than tired. Blisters better. Yeah. <laughs> Anything but tired. The tired is the one thing that's not going to fly in a, in a, you know, a, a clubhouse that everybody has to push through 162 game seasons. Everybody's I, tired. I mean, sore hamstring has gone, has been an excuse for fatigue a lot of times, you know, or hung over. Yeah. That's sore hamstrings, sore wrists, anything for, instead of saying I'm tired or I'm hung over. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I bet he, I bet he's going to wish he had a better reason. Yeah. Yep. And he's built well, up. Learn. That's how you learn. <laughs> and he built up so much goodwill. Cause he's played great. Demerit's yep. played great. And made the most of his opportunity in these two weeks. He's been up or one and a half weeks, whatever it's been. It's, it's not been long, but he's played really well. So that was just unfortunate. I hate to see a guy who's, who's more than paid his dues in the minor leagues and bouncing around. This guy's paid dues out the ass. And then, so then to, to make that faux pas, but you know, it might have been a case where, and I'm and I'm just speculating. This is nobody told me this, and I'm not going to say that. Dan, I'm not, I'm not accusing the team of anything. But I could see if there was some, if there was some, uh, not resentment, but if they rolled eyes over. I'm just tired, man. I'm just fatigued. Uh, you know, overall, I could see them going. Okay, well, we'll announce that then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're not going to make up an excuse for it. Yeah, I mean, that certainly would teach you a lesson. Yeah, I mean, it's he'll learn, you know. I mean, it's just one of those things that it'll be forgotten in two weeks anyway, not yeah. in the clubhouse, but yeah. you know, there'll be more stories and more things going on. But if he keeps playing his ass off, the next time he needs a day, he's gonna have some a better reason. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that he never misses a game again for, for being fatigue, tired for fatigue, <laughs> never ever. I bet it doesn't happen. <laughs> 
Yeah. And it worked out great for the Braves. I mean, Heredia yeah. played better than he would have if he was tired or whatever he was, you know? Yeah. So yeah. he wouldn't have made that catch. <laughs> no, I don't know what. Yeah, he's just got to come up with something better next time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we battled through this one. We were both tired. We did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's it. We'll be back uh, after got another big series, man. Got the Brewers. First place Brewers. Doesn't get any easier. But that was a good one for the Braves to, take a, to have an off day on to, 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 to be able to salvage that split, put that nasty Texas series behind them. Get some so, sleep in Milwaukee. Yeah, and you would have you came back uh, six runs, six games behind the Mets. You would have been eight games behind the yeah. Mets, man. Yeah. And that would have matched the season high last year of what you were out of first place. So that was five big. is five the, is the number I like to be in where you feel like you're in striking distance. You know, you could right. turn around in a week, but. Yeah, eight is uh, that's a you know you don't want to leave it up to them to have to fail. Right. You, know, you want to be close enough that you can play well and still catch them. Right. You know, it's a frustrating feeling as a team to feel like you can't get this team off your ass. But it's right. also super deflating if you go if you get hot and you go eight and two, and you don't and, pick up a game. And if they play well, they're not. You're still not going to catch them. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be in that position. You know, it's you want like you want it to be up to you. Year. It's yeah. like the Braves last year. Once they took control of the division, nobody's catching them. It was like Phillies. Start, Phillies played really well, but they couldn't catch them. Yep. Once they they got out a little bit down the stretch. All yep. right, that's it. We'll be back here. Thanks everybody. We appreciate it. Seven fifty five is real. We are out. Uh-huh.